Sinister Parlor. Sinister Parlor. Sinister Parlor. Sinister Parlor. <laughs> Good evening, fiends. Welcome to Sinister Parlor Podcast. I am Zombie Barbie, and with me I have my amazing co-host. I am Christopher Inlow. Hello. <laughs> with my wonderful glasses. And uh, I have with us also our, our guest for the evening, the even more wonderful than me, uh, Miss Melanie Simka. And Melanie is actually a, uh, she's an incredible director. She has done all kinds of animated films for uh, a lot of different companies, including Lionsgate, and has directed major, major stars, uh, including Christopher Lloyd, uh, that's so cool. Yeah, Christopher Lloyd. <laughs> I love him. Absolutely. I think everybody watching is, is a, probably going to be a fan of Christopher Lloyd because I don't think oh, yeah. I know anybody that is not a fan of like Back to the Future or, uh, well, I mean, specifically. The Adams Family. <laughs> huh? The Adams Family, too. Yes. Right, right. And the, and the, as a matter of fact, uh, there's a awesome con coming up, you know, a big convention that's going to be around here. And I may or may not be there, viewers. I don't know if I'm going to be there as a guest or or not, but I know Christopher Lloyd is going to be there, and they're actually promoting, Christina Ricci will be, they're promoting the Adams Family thing going on there, so it's got both of them listed there, but uh, Melanie directed uh, Frog Kingdom, she directed uh, The Legend of Kung Fu Rabbit, which is awesome, uh, she did, the, directed uh, Wings, The Robot Giant, uh, I've got giant the elephant. King is what, it's called. <laughs> what is it? The what is Giant it? King. The Giant King. Oh wow, it, that's weird. No, it's it's funny because it says the robot giant on your IMDb. I, uh, I think that's like some sort of weird trans. I don't know, but yeah, it's Giant King, or the Giant uh, King for that. One. <laughs> that's with Russell oh, Peters and uh, Bella Thorne. Oh, cool. My daughter loves her. Uh, my my personal favorite Melanie movie is Huevos. <laughs> this is a, it's a definitely more of a grown up animation movie. It's got a lot of grown up uh, humor in there. <laughs> uh, mm -hmm. uh, the Spanish, that's, that's balls, me. right? Huevos. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I'm like I think I know what that means. <laughs> it's it's a it's like a boxing movie. It's awesome. Nice. It's awesome. Uh, Jason Muse, is this the one with Jason Muse in it? Jason Muse, John Heater, Keith David, um, Zachary Gordon from Diary of a Wimpy Kid is the main oh. guy. Um, Amber, Frank Amber, Jenna. Well, uh, which yeah, one? That was a, that's a really fun, really fun. It was, it's awesome. I mean, it is absolutely it. awesome. No, you do. You need to watch. Everybody needs to watch that that movie. Uh, now, I've seen a lot of Melanie's movies, and Melanie became, and I became friends a while ago. So it's you know it's always fun when you become friends with people in the industry, and uh, then you get to watch all their work and see all the stuff that they do. But I'm lucky as because I get to watch these things, and Melanie has actually watched some of these movies with me while I watch them, which oh. is. Cooler because I get like all the little secrets and stuff as the movie's playing out in front of me. So uh, I'm very excited about that. So very now that we've gone through the, uh, how much cooler Melanie is than I am, <laughs> we get to start this up and uh, and and kick this whole thing into gear. So uh, oh yeah. So we uh we are discussing. Or did you? Did you want to take this? No, go, no, go ahead. So um, real quick, we did, you chose this one, right, Melanie? Yes. Okay. Yeah, I have not seen this since I was probably like 11 or 12. So there was a lot of stuff I did not remember. I watched it the yeah, other night too. again. I, was I like, just watched it again a couple days ago. And I was like, yeah, that's, it's, it's a lot that you kind of forget. So it's interesting. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, there's um one other thing. I, I learned so much. I uh, you know I went through different YouTube videos and and got all the like 15 things you didn't know about the Silence of the Lambs. 
So I, I, I watched a bunch of those different things after I watched the movie. And, uh, but one of the things that like really caught me off guard was right there on the cover and it's always been there, but that little skull is actually seven naked women. Can't hear you. I can't. <laughs> You're blocking your speaker. Bring the mic. <laughs> oh, All right, but the uh, what I was saying is one of the things that I learned, and I never noticed this before, and it's always been right in front of me. It's right there on the poster for Silence of the Lambs, but on the cover, on the moth, on the cover, it looks like a skull. Ooh, and I dropped it. But that skull is actually seven naked women. Mm-hmm. What? Can you see that? Oh, wow. Yeah. I never noticed it until you had sent that. Because um, I know like the real what? moths, it looks like a skull, not naked ladies. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, hopefully. <laughs> okay. Wow, that's interesting. I've never seen that before. Right. It's crazy, isn't it? I, I learned so much about this film, uh, even, you know, just these past past couple of days. So, so it's neat. So, um Anyways, so, uh, so what made you choose this? Is this one of your favorite films? Is it something that, you know? Um, as far as horror, I don't usually go for the slasher blood and guts type horror. And so I like the more um, like a thriller, scary, but not, you know, otherworldly type of movies. Mm-hmm. Um so I know this is, you know, a really good one and I've watched it before and I thought it had a lot of good acting and a lot of good, you know, I didn't remember it totally. And that was another reason too. I was like, I think I could watch that again and, you know, have some things to say about it. Um, and it won, I know it won best actor and I believe best actress, I think, um, did it win best picture too? It won best picture, best, best director, director yeah, best screenplay. Best actor and best actress. It won all five, oh, and it's only yeah. one of, I believe, three films that have ever. I I think it may be one of three films that have won all five, or it may be one of three films that have ever been not. No, there's definitely other films that have been nominated for all five. It's the only <laughs> horror film to ever win best picture, and um, it is one of three films to win all five of those awards best picture director actor actress and screenplay dang yeah that's awesome well i mean it's really well done so i mean Mm -hmm. and i think there's a lot of layers to it which is which i love in movies um Mm -hmm. so i'll let you guys take it (laughs) (laughs) i think this was one of um anthony hopkins best performances he i just think he did so well he was so believable that I mean, and like I was telling you before we got on here, I kept rewinding parts just to watch and like watch his words and how he was doing it and how he was saying it. And just, he really, really did the character well. Right. He um was not the first selection for this role. Uh, originally, they wanted to get Sean Connery to play that role, but Sean Connery would not do it. He thought the role was... He thought the role was just too much. It was disgusting. Uh, <laughs> but even before that, um, the original script, now this really caught me. I had heard something about the Sean Connery thing in the past. What I didn't know was that, uh, what's his name? Gene Hackman was uh, the original, one of the original people that purchased this story. And Gene Hackman was going to direct and star as Hannibal Lecter in this. But apparently Gene Hackman's daughter, I guess, read the book and called up his dad, or called up her dad, I'm sorry, and was like, I don't want you to do this role. So Gene, Gene Hackman sold his half of the rights to the movie to, uh, to uh, the other guy that, that got him. And I guess that's when they hired the director on. And the director wanted to cast... Uh, Sean Connery. But even with that, there are other people that were uh, thought about to play the role. That includes uh, Morgan Freeman, hmm. Daniel K. Lewis, uh, Derek Jacoby, and Dustin Hoffman are all being considered as well 
to play the role of uh, I could see him doing that and yeah, he would have been awesome, actually. I think <laughs> that would have been like good see, He would have been good. I'd like to see Dustin Hoffman do Hannibal Lecter, but with his Rain Man persona. <laughs> well, <laughs> that would be weird because he uh, needs to be super smart. So, <laughs> yeah. My <laughs> well, I mean, look, 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 look. One has to be super smart, one has to be super dumb. <laughs> Dustin Hoffman counted a box of matches between the time it fell from the box to hitting the floor, he counted. That's pretty damn smart, if you ask me. For, like, in real life he did? No, in Rain Man. Oh. No, it was like a box of matches that, like, fell out of his hands or something, or something like that, or a box of toothpicks, and it was, like, there's 108 of them. There's 108 yeah. of them. There's 108 of them. How many were there? And then they, then they counted. Yeah, and then and they were, like, like wow. They were what like something? three, he was like 147 or something. And then they're like, oh, there's 150 in the box. And they're like, oh, well, that's close enough. And they said, oh, well, there's three left in the box. Something like that. Something like that. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, it was an interesting scene. But that's more like a weird autistic savant type thing. If it would be someone that could be Hannibal Lecter, who's the you know super genius type, you know, mm -hmm. but it's an interesting idea. That'd be like saying Forrest Gump should be Hannibal Lecter, you know. <laughs> and it's like, well, <laughs> I think a lot of serial killers probably are as dumb as Forrest Gump, but I don't think Hannibal Lecter in particular is supposed to be. <laughs> no, 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 no. I don't think so. Now, did you know that there were four Hannibal Lecter movies? Mm hmm. I didn't know I did. that. I, I thought there were just two, actually. Well, not with him in it, right? <clears throat> Only two with him? Uh, well, I think maybe, yeah, I guess uh, there was one that came out way before that. I Was it called Red Dragon or was Red Dragon the one that came out? That one's after. after. It was Hannibal, then Red Dragon. Manhunter. Maybe that's Manhunter. what it was called. That was Yeah, it's Manhunter. Then it's supposed to be Silence uh, of the Lambs. God, then Hannibal, then Red Dragon. Right. Now they had, what was that, Melanie? I was telling her to be a good girl. <laughs> you were telling Rihanna to be a good girl? Yes. <laughs> it's like, be, be a good girl. <laughs> right. I just randomly say that. <laughs> <laughs> we're secretly texting. So. <laughs> right. This is like one of those sexy dates where we're all having the conversation out in the open, but you guys are under the table yeah, actually like, talking weird sex stuff to each other. Exactly what it is. And you just called us out. Good job. I think everybody viewing this right now is like... <laughs> They're like, what are you saying? Please, tell me. Can we see the screenshots? <laughs> but, um... So the very first movie, the guy that did the very first one retained the rights to the name Hannibal Lecter. So they had to get permission from him oh. to use all that stuff for the Silence of the Lambs, oh, which, okay. of course, he gave them with, uh, you know, with full permission. And I guess for free is what, uh, wow. what I had heard. Because well, everything I heard is, is all came from the Internet. So none of it could be it's, true and it yeah, could all be yeah. true. It's you know? probably all just bullshit. It's like right, that everything. Video, right? Just like add whatever you want. Right. <laughs> See, I thought for some reason because um, after I watched it the other night, I was going through and kind of reading about the actors and stuff like that, and then I wanted to watch Hannibal, but um, I had to rent it because uh, Silence of the Lambs was on Prime, um, and so I thought for some reason Anthony Hopkins was in Manhunter as well, but I guess he was not. No, no, no. Okay. No, uh, that was the Manhunter one came out like way before all of these movies. And like I said, uh, Silence of the Lambs was the first one to present Anthony Hopkins. And even before Anthony Hopkins, there were a slew of other people that they wanted to play the role of Hannibal Lecter. Sorry about my phone. That's I you. Thought I You're blaming us and that's you. I'm just asking questions, man. I haven't put the blame on anybody yet. <laughs> You're um, like, who is that? Whose phone is that? <laughs> no, I just said that I had heard it. Um, <laughs> yeah, I know that, I'm, I believe they wanted Michelle Pfeiffer to be her, the 
uh, Jodie Foster's part, Agent Starling. Um, And she turned it down, which is she thought that it was uh, that it was too much the movie was too intense for meg ryan was also one of the people considered for it along with uh halle berry but oh, wow. the um yeah this should have been a they should have made this like an all-black movie they should have had morgan freeman and halle berry playing those roles now that no, would have been awesome too. They do now they, right. they do that just for the sake of doing it now, which just drives me crazy. I think mm-hmm. everyone should have a part. I mean, I don't think there should be discrimination, but to intentionally remake every movie to make it black, I don't understand that, which is what they seem yeah. to be doing now. And yeah. it's just like, they're trying to prove a point, but in proving that point, they're proving that people are thinking about it, you yeah. know, like, because there's no reason to do that, to retell a story in a totally complete different way so that it basically invalidates the first version of the story, you know, like with the little mermaid, this is off on a tangent, but that just pissed me off because everyone was saying, Oh my gosh, make Ariel. That's so wonderful. And it's like, but that's doing a disservice to the fairy tale and to the original movie that is supposed to be this, you know, like this Danish redheaded girl, you know, that's, and then they make her black. There's no reason for it. And I think make a new movie you know, make a new movie about a black mermaid. That's awesome. But mm-hmm. but what's going to happen is it changes the history of who the little mermaid is kind of. Yeah. And I don't like changing the storyline. I think the storyline should stay the same and the characters should basically at their core stay the same. And anytime you have a character that changes totally from who they are at their core and who you know them and trust them to be, you don't like it. You know what I mean? Like I could come up with different examples of that, but like, um, and people do that just because they, they get to be at a loss of storyline or something. I'm just doing tangent after tangent, huh? It's okay. We can do, yeah, <laughs> this, do. all things go on this show. So that's okay. totally okay. Awesome. <laughs> but people do that because they kind of scramble for a storyline, but the main storyline should stay the same. You know what I mean? But what they do is they take someone totally change their character. Like, for instance, Penny on Big Bang Theory, where, you know, her whole character was she has no money. She's an, you know, an unworking actress. Um, She really doesn't get along with Sheldon. I don't know if you know the the show, but um, these are things that were just ingrained in her basic persona, you know, of who she is and why people like her. And then suddenly, 10 years, nine years down the line, they have, she's working a regular job and she's making a whole lot of money. They cut off her hair. So she was supposed to be real sexy too. You know, they cut off her hair and make her start dressing very manly. And she's best friends with Sheldon all of a sudden. And she has all this money. Like they changed everything about who she is, you know? Mm -hmm. And, And it made me as a storyteller, very uncomfortable. And I know that most people can't put their finger on why they hate, like something starts to turn for them in a story. And I think sometimes that's what it is, you know, that they, they basically try to change the essence of it when they should change the, um, um, the situations, I guess, like the situational mm-hmm. stuff, but not the core of what the person is or what the story is, you know, mm-hmm. but, um, and I don't even remember why we just, why did we start talking about that? Sorry. <laughs> no, because Halle um, Berry and um, Halle Berry and Morgan, Morgan Freeman were both considered. No, that's not to say that they would have worked together. That's just saying that they were both considered for, for the roles at, at one point. But apparently the screenwriter had Jodie Foster in mind because she had just recently, like he wrote it with Jodie Foster in mind because Jodie Foster had just won an Academy Award for, I believe she won. She was at least nominated, but she probably won for, uh, I believe it was The Accused. And I guess that was like the year prior or maybe two years prior or something like that. So the screenwriter had her in mind for, um, for that particular, for that particular role. I really like Jodie Foster. I think I'm glad that it went that way. Yeah, she did great. Mm Mm-hmm. I yeah, think Dustin Hoffman could have done Hannibal Lecter really well, though. Yes. But out of the choices given, I think Jodie Foster, you know, was the best. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, I could have seen like Meg Ryan, but even with Meg Ryan, I'm looking at yeah. Meg Ryan as somebody that's like the size of Jodie Foster. Like I've got Jodie Foster in my brain for Buster. I don't know where that accent came. I've got, jo- I got Jodie Foster in my brain when I think about it. Uh, which Bernie Sanders stuff has been like flashing in my head. Uh, got, the, got the election coming up and everything. But um, anyways, uh, uh, but yeah, so I've got her in my brain when I think of that. And of course, Meg Ryan, between all those people, is probably the most similar to Jodie Foster. But on that note, another interesting thing is the guy that wrote the book has never seen the movies. because. What? He's too afraid that, uh, and this is what was said, that if he watches the movies, then he's going to get the Anthony Hopkins version of Hannibal Lecter in his head, and then he will not be writing the same Hannibal Lecter that he's been writing in his books. He'll be writing Anthony Hopkins' version of Hannibal Lecter, thinking of him as the role, and the same thing with Jodie Foster. So I thought that was a... I thought that was really neat to um hmm. to learn. That would be hard not watching your movie, like based off your book. That'd be super hard not to see. I wouldn't it. Be able to do it. There's a lot of actors that don't watch their performances. Mm-hmm. And that it's the same idea to me, you know, where I never understood that either. And there's a lot of them. They're like, oh, I'll never watch myself on TV or on a movie. And yeah. I'm like, how do you do that? You know, that's crazy. That's your work. That's your, you know, I've seen my movies a million times and I still enjoy seeing them with someone who hasn't seen them, especially. Yeah. Um, and just, you know, it's like your child, like you birth something and then to just never see it again. It's just so strange to me. I don't understand mm-hmm. it. But, um, but well, yeah, it's the same idea. And I guess that's just a certain way of thinking about it, you know, because you get too self-conscious or something. Mm-hmm. I don't know. There's definitely uh, at least a couple of films that I've done that I haven't seen. Really? Um, yeah. Uh, and now there are roles, of course, that I've put a lot into that I have made sure that I wanted, you know, that I got to the theater to see. Sometimes I just didn't see them because I didn't make it to the screening and, like I've got a uh, I've got a DVD of a film that um that I shot that it, the DVD is just sitting on my piano at the house and I haven't put it in yet and I told the director I'm like yeah one of these days I want to go out and I'll see it on the big screen you know when it when it comes through on a film festival or something like that I don't know <laughs> what the hell that is that's like <laughs> that's like <laughs> Put, this just became an NC-17 show. That was just the... Sh- <laughs> the blanket was all... Looked it like. became NC-17. This is like... That's like, that's like that scene in the Blair Witch Project when you... When you see this, you're like, what the fuck is that? I just saw this like triple X rated thing. <laughs> it was like the whole screen. <laughs> Oh shit! <laughs> what is? What in the world is uh the Muppet? Oh, That's the Muppet. Oh look at her! She That's swims. That's Muppet. I love that dog. She's so cute. <laughs> wow! What? I, my, my brain just flew out the window with that. I'm not sure what I just uh. I'm not sure what I just saw, but I'm pretty sure I could have It was just me setting the phone down on the on the sheet thing. Oh, that was a blanket or a sheet? That's a sheet. <laughs> I knew what it was. It was just funny because it just looked I didn't see it, but I just saw your reactions to it. So I'm just laughing at your guys' reaction. Totally looks like a vagina. <laughs> Thank you, God. I didn't want to say it. I didn't want to be alone. The way it was set up and stuff. He's oh like, God. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, the Melanie that we've been wanting you to know. Oh, my God. <laughs> the Melanie does porn. <laughs> it's funny because you sure. just said that. Remember I said that you're in that picture? <laughs> you just Christopher about oh my God. the person who looked like me? Yes. Remember? Yes. What was it? Someone in one of his pictures that I thought looked like me, kind of, in and um, 
And so I said, Oh, your friend looks like me a little bit. And then, and then he texted me and he's like, that's so funny because she's a porn star. And I'm like, (laughs) (laughs) okay. I don't know if I should have said that on the show, but (laughs) that's okay. I just had a with a, with a porn star. Um, not, I didn't do a porn movie with a porn star, but I did a film. I so. I mean, not. Well, <laughs> we'll, we'll, we'll show that on the next show that we do here. Like, out of nowhere, it's going to be just like, but, um, anyways, yeah, so it's, it's, there's a picture of me on Facebook of me in the, in this porn star, and, um, Melanie was like, oh my gosh, I look like your friend. I was like, yeah, she's a porn star. So that's, you look, congrats, you look like a porn star. That's awesome. I didn't know that. Right, right. I mean, well, at least, you, you know, at least you look know. like a porn star. You look like this mega porn star. I get like Ron Jeremy, you know? It's like, wow, you look kind of like Ron Jeremy. Oh, fuck, man. You know, not that there's anything wrong with Ron Jeremy. Um, when I was in uh, college, like, um, who was the one that was in Crybaby? That was in Cry that was Baby. Tracy Lords. Oh yeah, mm-hmm. Tracy Lords. Someone told me that when I was in college, and I had blonde hair, um, that I looked like Tracy Lords, and I didn't know who that was, and I was like, I never heard of that person, and they're like, well, it's, you know, actually, no one you probably know, but <laughs> so anyway, it's funny that now I say I look like your friend who's also a porn star. I myself am not. <laughs> <laughs> but two of them, I guess. I've been told I look like or I've told you favor a couple like, porn stars. Anyway. <laughs> right. That's that's kinda of awesome. But uh yeah. you know, in Crybaby, the little girl that played Susie Q. You know what I'm talking about? I don't remember. Do you remember Susie remember. Q in the in, in the Crybaby? I just remember Johnny Depp. Okay. Susie Q was the really small which one was which one was Susie Q? She was the daughter, the little the little girl. There was a little oh, boy and a little the girl. Daughter of of uh, Ricky Lake. Yes, yes. Okay, um, I believe I believe that's right. Susie yeah. Q. Her name was Jessica Raskin. Her dad was my shop teacher in intermediate school. Oh, interesting. That's cool. Yeah, that was shot over in Baltimore, which is you know not very far from from me. Well, just like you know, back to Silence of the Lambs, Quantico, Virginia which is where, uh, you know, it opens up saying that the woods somewhere near Quantico, which is where Jodie Foster was. My father is uh, buried at that cemetery right there at, at uh, Quantico. That's, that's literally 20 minutes from my house in that whole, that whole area because in, in, I live in Mount Vernon. And, um, but yeah, that's not too far either. Anyways, we should probably jump back. We're, we're going to be running out of time here. Surely, I know um, that everybody's got stuff to do. Uh, but what other kinds of interesting things about about Silence of the Lambs? The first attacking. Your dog is attacking. There's like vaginas like flying up on the screen. Like this is a wild ass show. <laughs> I know. <laughs> She's like, you can like hear her going crazy. This is like a. This is like everybody's horror movie. This is gratuitous nudity. We have dog attacks. Uh, <laughs> okay so so back to what you were saying <laughs> um they're good now <laughs> oh okay so the moth that we pulled out of the first victim's mouth that was gross was actually a i guess it was a gummy bear wrapped up in tootsie roll so oh. in case the girl swallowed it that's what she was swallowing, like a gummy bear and Tootsie Roll. Not that she wouldn't choke to death just as bad, but, it, you know, uh, at least it would be like a, a nice... Melt eventually. Yeah. <laughs> oh, you mean what they used to make the movie? I was like, wasn't that supposed to be a mom? Yes. Okay, never mind. So you're talking about what the movie makers used in her mouth. Okay. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. They, they, when, when it shows them pulling something out of her throat yeah that is a gummy bear wrapped around wrapped up with a tootsie roll yum yeah doesn't sound so bad <laughs> that'd be good <laughs> now there were i guess a lot of moths used in that movie uh, from from what i had seen or read about it uh but hmm. 
I don't know. Uh, some other interesting facts is that Roger Corman plays a role in this film. And uh, for those, do you know who Roger Corman is? Do y'all? Mm -hmm. Very famous B-budget producer, director. He did a lot. Like if you go to IMDb and you look up Roger Corman, he did a lot of stuff, man. He was like, he was a badass. You know, it was all low budget stuff. Um, but a lot of people got their start doing Roger Corman movies. Roger mm -hmm. Corman movies. Um, but he played a role in the film. Also, they do y'all remember the scene where um, where it shows uh, you know they're they're taking Jodie Foster out of the thing and then he's like, "Don't forget your reports," you know. Mm -hmm. Hannibal like when he's in the cage, right? He's in the cage and and he's like, "Don't forget the reports," and she runs back and she grabs the reports. The guy that Lord, that's taking all of the police out of that room is George Romero. That's so cool. Yeah, who is the director uh, and writer, or, or one of the writers for uh, *Night of the Living Dead*? And like, you know, I mean, he basically made the zombie zombie movie mm -hmm. films what it, what they are, you know. So that was neat. Um, who are the police officers? At least uh, who are the police officers that appeared, and they weren't in big roles; they just kind of appeared. Uh, one was Chris Isaac, the Love singer. Him played a police officer and um the other one i wasn't too familiar with his name but i'm sure that if uh, danny darce i believe is what his name was i may be wrong on that uh but that that's also there um i don't know who that is i'm not um, sure either yeah i've never even heard of him but one yeah. of the one of the interesting things that is constant in this movie that just jumps out at me is how much they are into building tension the whole movie is building tension mm -hmm. and it's like it's interesting because they probably do that in horror movies more in general but in this movie it's you know instead of just showing who she is they have to do that long scene with her running and you know then someone find you know that it's mm -hmm. building the tension of who is this person that's running you know and then it's like instead of just introducing her going in and seeing hannibal it's you know going through all these steps and like talking to him about how bad he is and talking to the fbi guy about how bad he is and then going through the building tension of going through the cells and people yelling out at her it's like the whole mm -hmm. thing is adding more and more tension and um, even the things that don't necessarily have to happen where, you know, where she's going into the storage unit and, mm -hmm. and the thing won't go up, you know, and she has to go and try and get the tire that, you know, the tire pump, whatever you call it, um, lifter thingy <laughs> yeah. and, um, to make the storage door go up and, and then it still won't work. And then he can, he help her. Like they build that up so much about what's going to be in that storage unit you know, mm -hmm. because, and it takes forever. And even when she can go in there, she has to crawl under, which is like more, you know, more tension. And then it's dark, which creates more tension. And mm -hmm. then just showing a part at a time with a flashlight, you don't see everything at a time. That's more tension. It's like the whole movie, they are constantly building the tension. Yeah. And, uh, and it's interesting. And, and they do that again, the whole dark thing, of course, at the end where she's in the house and it's dark and only he can see her, which is another way of building tension through his goggles. And yep. it's like, you the know, whole time I was like, <gasps> <gasps> yeah, it's there. I mean, they're masters at it. The whole movie, they never quit at the building, the tension for the next scene. And it's like steadily, if you watch it again with that in mind, you're like, whoa, it's, you know, it's all the time. Mm -hmm. <laughs> She's saying hi. It's the Muppet. You heard a dog in the hall. <laughs> <laughs> She's so cute. <laughs> Her little hair. It's all like. <laughs> all I know. It. She's got the whole the Albert Einstein, Phil Spector look going on. <laughs> the head that was in the jar in that garage was uh, Ed Saxon, who was one of the producers of the film. They made a model of his head. Oh, okay. And so I mean that's one of those fun little things that you know you're working with people in the film and you just start sticking people and stuff all over the place. So that was uh that's kind of neat. Um so real quick, um how you had said that you directed Jay Muse. It's funny because you know I haven't seen this movie forever, but I always remember the Buffalo Bill part. 
which now I find it funny, you know, in the movie, it's, it's not funny, but I find it funny because remember Clerks too, when Jamie mm-hmm. used that whole part, he's like, oh, did you fuck me? Oh, yeah, 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 I know. <laughs> That's it. That was so awesome. I always knew exactly like about it. that. <laughs> so I was like, I need to go back and watch Clerks too, because I got I to gotta see that part again. <laughs> totally. And they've, they've done so much uh, parody of this movie. It's amazing. And it seems crazy that people haven't seen it. Um, like mm-hmm. even in a uh joe dirt you know how they have that whole thing about how he's kidnapped and kept in there and um and that's it's such a part of that movie but it's it's like everyone knows this movie that they can make fun of it like that you know Mm -hmm. but um yeah they just it's like office space there's some movies that that are (laughs) referred to so much that if someone hasn't seen them it's like you probably don't understand so many jokes oh yeah (laughs) yep the Joe Dirt one was funny. Dancing. Dang, I'm putting the lotion on the skin. <laughs> yeah. Put I know. The, what, what do you say? What do you say? Put the lotion on the skin or else you get the hose again or something mm-hmm. like that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Put your lotion on the fucking skin. Yeah, except for he doesn't say you. He doesn't want to make it like a person. He says it. You know, yeah. it puts the lotion on the skin or it doesn't, or right. it gets the hose again because he doesn't want to personally you know see the person as real or something just as a mm-hmm. thing but it's interesting yeah um i think in a way they almost went a little too far to do cliches in this movie you know what i mean like um and i think it's just showing the time period you know now i think they'd be a little bit more gritty about how it would be more real um because she's like you know she's she's a perfect um example like the cliche of the new fbi agent and she's kind of tough but she's also kind of scared and then he is like so creepy that it gets almost to the point of parody sometimes to me you know just like you know it's like so over the top but it's it's still perfect for what for the movie you know what i mean but in some movies that wouldn't work now because now i think that times have changed and and um i don't know over time the way people see those kinds of things change but when you're thinking about this is one of the first movies that really even addressed serial killers and someone like that then you think it was really ahead of its time you know because he was doing this this character that was so creepy and so perfect for being you know the quintessential serial killer creepster you know Mm -hmm. and but this was in 91 i think you know so it was basically they didn't even come up with the term serial killer till i think the early 80s you know and and so this was they'd never talked about serial killers really um by 91 i mean that's a relatively new thing to talk about Mm -hmm. um so that makes it more interesting when you see it from that perspective like wow and that's a great uh representation of what they're doing you know and Mm -hmm. it probably was the first time you saw a movie really about forensics about you know the whole fbi uh the way they you know there's crime solving techniques etc um so when you think about that and you see it from that perspective now we're a little jaded we've seen so many like it you know but when you think of it like that like that it's all new and wow is that how the fbi works and wow is that how oh my god is someone really like that out there in the world you know that's Mm -hmm. pretty interesting because they went pretty far beyond what anyone else was doing yeah so i like that yeah you know uh the on the fbi thing they say that the fbi was 100 percent behind this character because it would give incentive for females to want to join the fbi Hmm. that makes sense and yeah. i think there probably still aren't that many females that join the fbi but at that time i'm sure there there were almost none mm-hmm. well have you seen that new documentary on um prime that's about ted bundy um falling for a serial killer and it's the ex-girlfriend and the daughter that are doing the whole documentary i didn't see that documentary i saw the ted bundy tapes and i saw mm-hmm. the special on i think abc with also the ex-girlfriend and her daughter um <clears throat> so they kind of i haven't seen that one yet i probably will though because I'm, I'm, I'm a true crime 
it's right. Good. I've seen most of them. <laughs> yeah, yeah I'm but, surprised you haven't seen those because that's like I remember you were like, "You've got to watch this. You've got to watch this." Whoa, but, uh, it's that's super good. Well, like, well, and it kind of goes. Did you um, see the? There's a Unabomber one. There's the the act one. on Hulu about Gypsy Rose Blanchard. Um, oh. That's so good. And that is actually with actors, but I mean, it's a totally true story. And it's with um, Patricia Arquette and uh, um, a couple other people. But that's really good. That's on Hulu, the act. You have to see that one. And the Unabomber hunting or manhunt for the Unabomber. That Mm -hmm. was so good, too. And of course, the first season of Making a Murderer, but I didn't really like the second season because nothing really changed. And so it wasn't very interesting. Um, but if you haven't seen the first season of Making Murderer, I just, I love the true crime stuff. I, was, I wasn't in a hurry to see the new one about the Ted Bundy ex-girlfriend because when I heard that Ted Bundy's ex and daughter were going to be on like a 2020 special, I was so excited. Um <clears throat> Because of the fact that he married, he married someone um, that he used to work with, and that was like obsessed with him. Yeah, and and then they had, um, they had a daughter together, mm-hmm. and that was after he was in prison because they didn't even get together till he was in prison. Yeah, um, and then he basically married her because she was so committed to him. She was the only one who stood by him, etc. But when he was in prison, somehow the guards looked the other way so they could, you know, do their thing. And so they did have a kid together. And Mm -hmm. when the kid was about, I believe about three in the early 80s, I'd say like 1983, something like that. They just, I guess at that point, I'm assuming decided that he really did it. And I think she was lying to herself till then. Um, And so they just moved and changed their names and no one has ever heard whatever happened to him and his biological daughter you know mm-hmm. now he was a freaking psycho so you have to think what happened to his biological daughter i'm curious um, me too the lady but, died she's dead now um well that that isn't her though the one you're talking about is the girl he was with he was in a long-term kind of relationship with someone who had a daughter and they were in a relationship for a few years and this was while he was going around killing people he was she was kind of like his normal life was yeah his girlfriend yeah and that's Elizabeth. the one that you're talking about and she had a daughter that mm-hmm. was maybe seven to twelve while they were together i believe um the name wasn't but, kelly was it but no it was that, molly yeah but the lady in that, prison he married the lady who was like standing by his side mm-hmm. and they had a kid um, yeah yeah no one ever knew what happened to them and so since the early 80s and so when i heard about oh ted bunny's ex and daughter are going to be on the 2020 i was like oh my god whatever happened to that little girl is she crazy mm-hmm. too like all this stuff you want to hear what happens you know and mm-hmm. and then i found out it was like the one that he it wasn't his real daughter and they were i mean i was just a little bummed about that because you know i was expecting the more exciting version mm-hmm. um that no one knew about but so since i saw that 2020 about them i was feeling like i kind of knew the story based on that um so that's why i didn't rush out to see the new documentary but i'll eventually Mm -hmm. see it i see them all (laughs) well in 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 the new one um so lady that he did marry when he was in prison um they she has recently died and i think she was an assisted living home so they don't know what happened to the daughter like yeah carol what was her name carol or something like that um but they couldn't get any obviously comment from her because she had passed away, but they don't know where the daughter's at. They didn't, they weren't able to find the the real daughter. Okay. Okay. Well, that's interesting. At least that's a little bit new, but it sounds like they didn't get much out of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Not, not with her, but um, it's cool to kind of hear like, you know, the original girlfriend that had the daughter. Um, uh, what was her name? Yeah. Kendall. Well, the last name was Kendall. I can't remember. Elizabeth, Elizabeth Kendall. Um, and it just shows like how much she really loved him and just really didn't, didn't think it was him. And, you know, the letters, like she'll read out, she reads letters that he sent her and stuff like that. And then just even her daughter, like how much she praised that man and thought he was just amazing. And then to see how he just flipped a switch and was, he wasn't yeah. what he thought he was. 
Um, but in that documentary, they really show how back then, you know, FBI agents weren't women and they didn't listen to women and stuff like that. And so there was one FBI agent that they interview her as well. And she talks about, you know, how she was the only one on the force and nobody wanted to listen to her or take her seriously. And she was one of the ones that, um, the Liz lady talked to about, you know, I think it's my boyfriend and this and that. And she was the only one that would listen to her because the men thought she was crazy. Yeah. That's interesting. Know how to see it. It sounds like they had a little extra stuff that they didn't have in the 2020 special. But mm -hmm. yeah, see those other ones too, if you haven't seen them. The Definitely. Bunny tapes, the Hunt, I saw that Man one. Hunt, Unabomber, that one's so good. And it's so sad too, because he just, I think he had good intentions. I don't know why the light is being so stupid on this one. <laughs> um, <laughs> but anyhow, okay. Um, yeah, I saw Ted Bundy so, tape. Yeah, I didn't see the other two. Oh, and the act. The act is so yeah. good. And it's not the real people, but you can find plenty on the real people. And it's like uh, so good. You have to see that. That's like, a, I want to say just a few episodes, maybe five episodes or something on okay. Hulu. Really good. Hulu. Okay, uh, I'll have to check that one out for sure. I'd like to see a uh, serial killer movie about Al Bundy. Al Bundy? You should write it. Hey, I've got something to show you, Peg. Married with victims. His hand down his pants. Did you say married with victims? Married with victims. That'd be funny. You should do a parody of it. Why don't you get me a beer? There's somebody's head in the fridge, Al. <laughs> I sliced her neck with a broken bottle. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. All right. Well, we're hitting about that time where it's the end of the show. Um, so I want to thank you so much for coming on. It's been really fun talking to you. And Christopher has said so many good things about you. So I've been excited to get you on here. Um, You're welcome. Happy to come on. Oh, I'm like, why are you shushing me? Was I not supposed <laughs> I don't know. I don't want her to know that I brag about her. He's like, I love her. She's amazing. So it's, it's so cool. And I thank you so much for coming on. Um, so now is when, if you know, you want, if there's anywhere that you want people to check out your projects or your, you know, your work pages or anything that you want people to know about. Okay, well, you can time. just, um, you can IMDB me and, uh, just see all my movies on there. And if you see them, feel free to comment on my wall or send me a message and tell me what you think. I, I love to hear feedback and reviews about them. So I, you know, I love to hear what people think of them. Awesome. Yep. I'm going to start watching. Cool. All right, Christopher, anything? I just put out a slow frame meets faith, no more coloring book. No big deal. Oh, buy it. Buy it. <laughs> Where cool. can people find it? <laughs> Lowfrankandfriends.com. You can buy it there. Uh, you can find me on Facebook, uh, Christopher Inlow. Um, I believe there's ChristopherInlowEntertainment.com. You can go there and it'll take you to some page. Um, you can find, I have a fan page, Christopher Inlow. I think it's, I think it's the Christopher Inlow Fan Club. I thought it was so funny to call it that name uh, and kind of make fun of like the 70s fan club things. Although I don't think people realize that I'm making fun of something by doing that. I think it just looks like I'm this cocky asshole that uh, as the Christopher Inlow fan club. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't think you were cocky. I just didn't know you're making fun of people. Right, you know, I just thought it was really funny to, to have this like, like, if I could get a picture of me on a shirt with like a heart around me that's in like gold glitter, <laughs> I, would, I would totally do it. That would crack me up. But, um, but yeah, you can find me on Facebook. There's a Christopher Inlow fan club. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Chris Inlow, I believe is the, uh, or the little, yeah, the little at sign on Twitter is at Chris Inlow. You can follow me on Twitter. I'm always talking about projects. I've always got a thousand projects that are going on. So uh, there's always something that's cool happening. And uh, one of these days I'm going to get both of y'all to work on a project with me. And that would be, that'd be cool. That would that be cool. Fun. Heck yeah. That'd be awesome. <laughs> so we need to uh, we need to get that down. Whether it's doing voice work in one of Melanie's uh, productions or or 
acting in one of my productions or, or, or something, acting in one of Rhiannon's productions. We need to get all those productions I have. <laughs> we need to get everybody together to to do this because it's awesome. And it's it's great that we have a, a platform that we can get different people from different kinds of uh, you know, different kinds of places in the entertainment field and grab us and throw us together to talk about something like Silence of the Lambs. So I really appreciate you bringing me on to to do this because uh usually, you know, you get a lot of people that are from like the horror genre that are talking about horror movies. And I knew right off the bat that Melanie was not a specific horror person. So it would be fun to have her kind of uh, opinion mm -hmm. on this kind of thing. And I'm kind of all over the place, you know, and you love your horror movies. So like, I just thought this would be a really fun mix. So I'm glad that I was able to be a part of it. Yeah. And thank yeah. you. It was great. Um, and that was such a good choice too. Cause I have not, like I said before, I hadn't seen the movie for a really long time. So it was nice to revisit it and see it with fresh eyes. And now that I'm older too, I understand more of it. So it was, it was a great choice. I even told Christopher, I'm like, that was a really good choice. <laughs> thank you. I, yeah. I had a good time talking about it and, and seeing it again after so long too. So I'm, I'm glad to come on. Yeah. Thank you so much. Um, so real quick, um, check out Sinister Parlor podcast on Facebook and Instagram. Um, we'll start releasing the shows, I believe next week. Um, and I'll make announcements and stuff for that. And I'll also let you know whenever we release it, like on the date that we do it. Um, and then check out Broken Halo on Amazon and Broken Halo Blood Curse on Amazon. And I want to thank my publisher, Crazy Ink Publishing, for taking on my books and getting them out there. And with that, we are done. <laughs>